Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, this is Chase Masters and host of Disco Nights inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience. So we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes. If you're a Star Trek fan, you should listen to Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek podcast for sci-fi fans with a life. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is a special encore presentation of Films About Filmmaking Week. This was our first attempt to do a riskier episode of the series. You know, we'd done a couple which were sort of very genre-heavy. We knew they would do well. They all did. Seven Days of 007, Superhero Weeks. We were very much in the Sword and Sorcery, which was a huge episode for us. But this was the first time we decided to go the cinephile route. You know, we were going to get away from the genre stuff, and we weren't sure what the reaction would be to Films About Filmmaking Week. And we were so gratified to see that we held our audience. Uh, it, it continues to be a perennial. It was a very successful episode for us. It continues to be. And I think it's one of our best episodes. I mean, you can sense the love we have for movies about movie making. You know, we always talk about how uh, all of us, you know, came out here to make film and television. It was kind of like uh, Close Encounters. We're all making our mashed potato mountains. Some of us heard the signal. Some of us didn't. Uh, but we're lucky enough. In fact, the reason we're on hiatus is because we're all working. So it's a good problem to have. You know, we, we weren't anticipating going to season two so so early. But uh, Ashley uh, is running a show right now and Steve's working with him. I can't say what it is. I'm doing a show and Darren's on a on a show. So um, it's 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 a good problem to have. So uh, we're on a hiatus uh, while we uh, hopefully uh, are, are making some good television. And uh, we'll be back, though, with uh, season two. Uh, this spring, and we're looking forward to getting back in the studio and doing some new theme weeks. But uh, meanwhile, you can um, enjoy uh, an encore presentation of Films About Filmmaking Week, which features some great movies. And if you haven't uh, haven't seen them, you should check them out because I think uh, it's it's everything we want in a, a show. It's some of the classics, but also a few more esoteric movies that you may not know about that you may want to enjoy checking out. And uh, recently, uh, Susan Kazmarek asked us on social media, how can I see these movies? Um, well, if you've exhausted uh, streaming, you can, all this stuff is available on Vudu and iTunes, or you can go on Amazon or your local, I was going to say your local video store. Good luck with that. But uh, everything we cover is either available on digital or DVD Blu-ray. So um, if you're persistent, you can find uh, the movies. I think the only movie we, we, we talk about this week that, that isn't available uh, that that's going to be harder for you to find is the Oscar Harlan Ellison's the Oscar. Um, but, uh, if you ask Darren very nicely, maybe he can send you a copy. Anyway, enjoy the special encore presentation of films about filmmaking weekend. We'll see you next week. Back in the seventies and eighties, before the advent of VHS, chances are, if you saw a classic movie, it was on the four thirty movie with their famous theme weeks. It was a chance to see movies you never saw and get reacquainted with some old classics. Now join us on the four thirty movie podcast. Welcome. This is Mark A. Altman, and you are joining us on the 430 movie for the Kids Stay in the Picture Week. These are films about filmmaking. 
I'm Mark A. Altman, a writer-producer for such shows The Librarians and HNX, as well as the author of the new book, So Say We All, an oral history of Battlestar Galactica. And I'm here with our usual panel of programmers, our ace programmers. Uh, <laughs> to my left is the uh, talented uh, Ashley E. Miller. The E stands for evil. And he is a writer for such films as Thor and X-Men First Class, the upcoming Red Sonja. And in addition to such TV classics as Fringe and Black Sails, he has the upcoming season two of Lore dropping on Amazon Prime this month. Ashley, welcome. I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> you don't need to because... I'm... This is theater of the mind. Oh. oh Actually, come well, to that's... think of it, you kind of do. Um, yeah. The theater of the pants. Theater. Pants theater. Steve, it's, it's uh, well, you know, for it's, it's appropriate for Hollywood Week that you're not wearing any pants. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness, that's um, so, <laughs> um, also, uh, we have Stephen Melching here. He's a writer for such series as Batman: The Brave and the Bold, X Men: The Animated Series, The Brilliant Star Wars Rebels, and the upcoming Star Wars Resistance. Welcome, Steve. Roll them. <laughs> wow, that's some some real uh, Hollywood speak there. And uh, finally, uh, last but not least, the great Darren Doctorman, a conceptual designer for films and TV, such as Master and Commander and the second season of Westworld. And he is also the designer of our fantastic new website, the it, well, not the, just 430movie.com. No the. Drop no the, the. the for Drop savings. The the. We're for, dropping the the and passing the savings on to you. <laughs> 430movie.com, and you can find some great swag. Uh, you can also find links to all our episodes. And if you are um, uh, enjoying the podcast, we appreciate you rating it or reviewing it uh, wherever you consume your podcasts. And if you don't like it, shut the hell up. So uh, <laughs> anyway, welcome, guys. Uh, this is an uh, exciting uh, week because of course, um, we all met because of our love of making movies and television, and fortunately have all been working in the industry now for a while. Um, and uh, I think it's always been fascinating to watch how the sausage is made. Uh, so thanks and good night. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some truly great movies and then some really mediocre films about uh, behind the scenes of, of making films. Hollywood loves to make movies about itself almost as much as it likes to give itself awards. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and yet if you've ever pitched anything uh, which is Hollywood-centric or industry. So the, the, the response is always, yeah, that's great, but uh, we think it's a little too inside baseball. Nobody's going to get it. And then so. you try to pitch a baseball movie, and they say it's a little too inside movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, sure. Monday, usher us in to Kids Stays in the Picture Week. Well, there's there's one film that has always been close to my heart since it came out uh, in the 90s. Uh, it is, for my money, Tim Burton's best film, uh, Ed Wood, uh, which is the story of uh, Ed Wood, a, uh, a, a filmmaker uh, in the 50s uh, who is responsible for some of what are considered the worst movies of all time. But what I love about this movie... They've never seen a movie by Uwe Boll. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about this movie is the, the tone of it, the spirit of it, this story of this guy who has such tremendous passion for filmmaking, and yet uh, his his reach exceeds his grasp. He just, he can't, he's not good, <laughs> but he's so... 
wants to be passionate he's so passionate and it's infectious and and how he puts together this group of weirdos and and you know like-minded people to to go along with him and make these lousy movies and he strikes up a friendship with uh with one of his you know film idols uh uh um Bela Lugosi, <laughs> <laughs> who is in the, the the last years of his life, uh, and uh, played by the great Martin Landau. Martin Landau, God rest his soul, he was brilliant. You uh, may know him film. as Commander Koenig from Space 1999. <laughs> he won an Oscar uh, for that performance, and well deserved. Rightly so. Well deserved. Eddie, I'm so broke. Let's <laughs> <laughs> shoot this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a quotable movie, yeah. and uh, it has a just a terrific cast uh, led by uh, Johnny Depp in my favorite performance of his. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just it's just it's just a wonderful film. It's funny. It's moving. Uh, it's weird. It's, yeah. Well, the next one will be better. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because you know La La Land talks about you know the dreamers who make you know movies, and I, I love La La Land. Truly, Ed Wood is an homage to the dreamers because Ed Wood was a man of very little talent but of great passion. And uh, it, it's so great because I don't think the film is ever malicious. No, you know? that's what's so great about it. You you are really rooting for this guy, and you can see that he's he's not good. You know, that's the stuff he, he's making. Uh, uh, gosh, what's uh, uh, what's her name? Plan Nine from Outer Space. Well, I know the the actress who plays his uh, his girlfriend, Sarah Jessica Sarah, Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. It goes on this whole rant about you know we, these movies are terrible. You're wasting your time, and you know maybe she's right, but you are so with this guy and you want to see him succeed you're pulling for him and when they're breaking into the studio to steal the giant octopus you know you want them to get that octopus and you want them to get their make their days and get their shots you want and... them to get through that door <laughs> exactly <laughs> and just his struggles with money and with you know with cast and crew and, and with shady producers and and getting uh, baptized to to sort of bilk uh, you a know, church, out, church of out of money for money. funding his movies. Do you and pledge yet, to renounce Satan and all his evil? And, and, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Bill Murray, of course. Yeah, Bill Murray, another great uh, in a smaller role, but is terrific. In one of the first of his smaller role appearances, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And yet anyone who has uh, financed or, or attempted to finance an, an indie movie you know, can see so much of reality in that, as crazy as it feels with the the church and then oh will you cast my girlfriend and all this uh it, it, i mean it's so typical of the way that the business really works and it's uh just a great and then, film you know and it climaxes at the premiere of plan nine from outer space you know this is the one they'll remember me for yeah. and you're you're so you're so happy that he did it you know he he triumphed over adversity mm-hmm. it's it's a it's an underdog story and it's Absolutely. just wonderful and, and it has a terrific screenplay by scott alexander and larry karaszewski um, you know, and Tim Burton it was terrific uh, directing. It's filmed in black and white. And it's in beautiful. The 90s. Um, so ballsy to have done that, and it works so well. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it is a relentlessly positive movie about um, the power of believing in your own creativity. And I think, I mean, for me, my, my takeaway from that film was look, it, a lot of Hollywood, I think, um, has turned to this sort of self indulgent kind of self-loathing um, into kind of a, a bit of an addiction. Um, you know, we I think we all know 
uh, people who who work in this business um, who don't seem to be having any goddamn fun. Mm. <laughs> and the the truth of the matter is, we get we're so blessed, we're so privileged um, to work in this business um, where we can create things that we love. And you know what? There's always going to be people who don't want us to do that, who want to say stop. And the lesson of Ed Wood is they exist, but we still have this thing that, that we believe in. We still have this vision in our heads. And as long as we have that um, and we stay positive about it, like we can't, we can't really be defeated. And it has nothing to do um, with whether the final product is great or dog shit. <laughs> it has to do with how we feel about it. Um, and I think like that's what's so powerful about Ed Wood. And I think- you know, As long if, as we don't care if we're recognized until after we're dead. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> but well, you know how many people are recognized even then? Well, it's so great because Scott and Larry, who've sort of become the kings of the biopic, have done so many magnificent uh, biopics, uh, People versus Larry Flint, uh, the OJ miniseries for American Crime Story. Uh, Man on the Moon. Uh, Man on the Moon. Um, uh, Agent Cody Banks. You know, so so many, not that, but so many uh, uh, really brilliant, and yet Ed Wood, I think, towers, you know, above all of them. You know, arguably mm -hmm. OJ is in the same league. Well, I mean, and, and the Flint picture is great too, but it, it's it's um, it's just such a wonderful One of them movie. Are as a joy to watch as. Yes, as Ed Wood. I watch Ed Wood every year, like clockwork. I I, I revisit it well at least once a year because it's just so much fun. It's inspiring. I mean, I love the relationship between Ed and Bella, where you know they develop this real friendship, and Ed is sees him as this m huge movie star right. still, and he's trying to help him make a comeback and. You know, taking care of him when he goes into drug rehab. You know, he's one of the first actors to go into, you know, publicly, publicly. Mm -hmm. go into drug rehab. Eddie, what kind of a movie is this? <laughs> and it really <laughs> captures. I love children. It captures that exuberant, let's put on a show yeah. feeling yeah. that you have, you know, when you're young in this business before. Yeah. It you know the cynicism takes over and it kicks the shit out of you, and, but, it, and it reminds and you, you of what it would. You know that's why I like to watch it every year. It reminds you of that feeling, and it kind of re-energizes. At least for me, anyway, it kind of re-energizes me in a way. Not that I want to be re-energized to make terrible things, but just to recapture that spirit. It's you know? great what, to see him and his goofy band of oddballs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, try and go at alone, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's hilarious. What year was it? It was nineteen ninety-five. I believe. yeah. I mean, look, man, I, I wasn't even here. I was, you know, still off living a completely different life when I saw that movie. And so I saw it through the eyes of, of someone who wanted to do what I'm doing now. Um, and also as a fan. And here, you know, something really, I don't know if this is good or bad for fandom, but when we were boys, when we were lads, you know, yes, we had our Star Wars uh, which was big and beautiful and people spent a lot of money on it. And, and there were like, you know, anything that, that Spielberg made always looked kind of great. But but you watch a movie like Plan 9 from from Outer Space or we think of like what, what generally kind of filled um, the shelves uh, with, the, with the genre material. We're not mm -hmm. talking about films that spent $150 million a pop, right? It's something like dollars a pop 150 dollars yeah, yeah you know it's it, exactly it's like it's something that um that we embraced as kind of part of the process so so there's a whole read of of ed wood that is about um loving movies like that 
in kind of in spite of themselves. And it captured the feeling of like when you're making your Super 8 movies as a kid, you know, you're taking <laughs> stuff and trying to make them spaceships and filming in your backyard and, you know, uh, just and, and feeling like this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And then you show it to your friends and your parents like, this is the greatest, I made the greatest movie. And, you know, you look at it now, it's like, what? But, um, it, it, it's it's really remarkable. And I remember the first time I saw it was at the Telluride Film Festival. And, you know, I loved it. I was online with a couple of people and they were on the fence about what is this? They didn't know what it was. And I, I said, oh, it's great. You have to see it. And this is what it's about. And they said, wait a second. After I explained it, it was like, wait, and it's great? I said, yes. <laughs> no, no, it's great. You have to see it. And I remember it was a very, it was an older couple. Uh, you know, it's two septuagenarians. And uh, I ran into them a couple of days later online for another film. They say, we're so glad that you told us to see. We would have never seen it based on the description, but based on your recommendation, we went to see it and we loved it. And, you know, it's one of those discoveries for people who don't know the genre and don't know who Ed Wood is like we do that I think they come to and really be surprised. And there's another wonderful element in it, too, which is Ed Wood is a character who's struggling with uh, an untraditional sexuality. Uh, in the film, and he's never judged by it. I mean, he is, like, one girlfriend judges him on it, but mm-hmm. ultimately, he's accepted for who he is. And it, throughout the in, well, over the course of the film, in a gore sweater, he he sort of in kind of literally comes out of the closet in a way. You know, right. he's not homosexual in the film, but he likes to wear women's clothing. He's transvestite. And, yeah, yeah, and and it's it, he's not judged by it. By any of the characters, because everyone that care about accepts him. everyone in that movie, yeah. you know, because they're all oddballs. They're all Tor Johnson, and you know, and yeah. no one, right? And it's it's great because it's sort of like a the, drug addict, a transvestite, yeah, a and there's wrestler. no judgment about yeah. any of that. And 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 they find it's in a way they find each other, you know, the the oddballs, the outcasts, the geeks, and then they come together, you know, triumphantly, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever you think of the movie. I mean, it's legend. There's so many movies that were made that year and that decade that nobody remembers. Even some of the great movies. I mean, they're probably more. People, you ask them about a Douglas Sirk classic mm. from the 50s or about Plan 9, more people probably know Plan 9 from <laughs> right. outer space. It's a really remarkable thing. And it also has a terrific music score mm-hmm. by Danny Elfman um, that kind of captures. Wasn't it Howard Shore? Oh, no, you're right. It, it was is Howard, Howard, Shore. Howard Shore. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But Danny Elfman kind of really wished that he had. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it would have totally. Brilliant it's a terrific score. score. Yeah, it it captures both that sort of cheesy, you know, uh, sci-fi film of the of the period flavor, but yeah. also has a really sort of moving emotional uh, score to it as well. Yeah, that's great. That's totally great. Agree. Uh, Darren, um, yes, uh, that Mark. was Monday. Uh, Monday is Ed Wood. Tuesday is so. Tell Tuesday us. is um, a, sh- a movie that a lot of people have forgotten about, as far as I know, because no one ever talks about it anymore. It's from 1989. It's called The Big Picture. Oh, yes. really? I was going to mention that. Yeah. Oh, um, that's interesting. It wasn't one my of, choice, but it's I was one of my it. favorites. It's Christopher Guest um, uh, before he started doing his, uh, you know, unscripted. Sort of semi documentary. Really, yeah, the first one after Spinal Tap. But yeah, before it's yeah, it's right. It's after Spinal Tap, but before uh, uh, Waiting for Guffman, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's yes. not great. There are some parts that are a little goofy in it, but it's really funny, and uh, it stars Kevin Bacon as this uh, film school grad. Incidentally, the script for this movie was originally about an older filmmaker trying to get his movie made in Hollywood. Hmm. And it sort of uh, mirrors the story in the in the movie in that no one would buy it with an older filmmaker. Right, so right, he right, to, right. He had to make it a film school guy. 
Um, yeah. He's going and, to like AFI or some yeah, equivalent yeah. thereof. Yeah, uh, yeah, up on the hill uh, at this sort of AFI-like uh, yeah. school. And uh, he basically is thrust into the uh, blender of Hollywood, and he has this sort of pure idea at the beginning for this uh, black and white film that he wants to make. And it's yeah. this, this, you know, Bergman-esque, it's this yeah, Bergman-esque yeah. You know, story yeah. about adults dealing with adult things, and the machine of Hollywood grinds him up and spits him out, uh, and it is incredibly uh, uh, enjoyable. There's and a great and accurate. It's oh. a, there's a great supporting cast. Terry Hatcher's in it. Jennifer Jason Lee plays one of his uh, schoolmates at the film school. And Jade um, the great J.T. Walsh. Yes, is exactly. Studio executive. J.T. Oh. Walsh is, is so great, so amazing in a in a uh, an office that is sort of reminiscent of the way Amblin was with all the southwestern things. And he he he, coll- he collects thimbles. It changes though it, every time he th- goes. That's the thing. Oh, it every time he mo- the J.T. Walsh Walsh is moves to a different studio after he's fired from the previous one. He has a different style, you know, uh, and it's just hilarious. Um, but uh, it, I, I highly recommend it if you can find it. Um, it's it's on uh, DV. It's on Blu-ray. I almost ordered it. I haven't it. seen it the is, Blu-ray. It is on Blu-ray. Okay. On yeah, Blu-ray. yeah. I and think it's cheap Echo, too. It's less Echo than Bridge bucks. put it out. It's pretty okay, cheap. Okay, good. And good. I think they just added to a collection of films on filmmaking or something. It's well worth your time. It really captures the film school experience as yeah. well. Oh, it's mm, dead on mm. uh, film school experience. I mean, I was in film school mm-hmm. at the time the film came out. <laughs> it was eerie. How. It was one of the first laser discs I ever bought, mm-hmm. and I think that's how I saw it. For, I don't think I saw it in a theater. And it's wonderful. It's it's a few years. It precedes another movie, which is somewhat similar, which is Swimming with Sharks yeah. right. with Michelle Forbes and um, uh, and Frank Whaley, um, and which which deals with a guy who's working for an abusive assistant. Um, but it's that kind of breaking into the film mm-hmm. business. I think Big Picture is a better movie, yeah. but I I like Swimming with Sharks also. Yeah. Um, and Big Picture is not a film that people talk about a lot. Exactly. It's so entertaining, and the parodies throughout as he. Right. You know, is re you know tr- trying to retool the movie based on studio notes. Is he's trying? He spends the whole. He, he gets his big break <laughs> to make his feature, and he realizes that he's not going to be able to get everything he wants. And just watching him compromise one after the other mm-hmm. and try to please everybody that he's trying to please, and he just ends up making garbage as a result yeah. until the end when he's finally able to right. make uh, his vision yeah. of it. And it's so funny because they show the other AI, AFI, faux AFI candidates right. and their films, right. which is just so entertaining, all the archetypes and the genres. And it, it's really a delightful film. But I, I uh, think the, film. The, great, the greatest part that I think about it is that his movie idea is really terrible. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. It's yes, really boring. Yes. And no one would ever watch it. Yeah, you know I what think he's that's like, what's great about the whole thing. He's like all these indie filmmakers now yeah. who are like, I have to shoot on film. Yeah. I will only shoot on I, I I will not, you know, raise, you know, do the movie. And it's like, dude, you know, you have a limited yeah. budget. Shoot fucking digital. It's yeah. not going to be. It's going to be shown in digital. You're lucky if it's even going to be in a it's theater. Pretension in car. Oh my god. You know, and it's like, and they're like, oh no, I have to shoot it. He on wants film. to do this dar- this character drama in a snow swept cottage, and then you know, Bruce's oh my like, god, well, it's can't terrible. we set this at the beach? But the way, yeah, and, 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 and the smash cut bikinis the, or whatever. It's yeah, like I, I knew the the bikini girl in that um, uh, Beth Chamberlain, who was later on a soap when I worked at Italian in New York, and I would always ask her about that movie because it was like. Like, I just loved Big Picture. It was like, oh, I love that movie. I think it's so fun. We could call it Beach Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, but no, yeah, it's a go great home choice. And order that Blu-ray. Yeah, I've been, it's I've a been good wanting one. to rewatch it. Uh, yeah, it's that's, really that's a great choice. And and so far, uh, two very unexpected choices from both of you. So uh, I'm curious to see what Ashley has to say. What I have to say, Mark, is a nutless monkey could do your job. <laughs> a nutless monkey. Uh, of course, I'm talking about 2008's Tropic Thunder, which, oh. for my money, is the greatest movie ever made about making movies. Uh, directed wrong. by, yeah, totally true. Directed I love by... the movie, but you're wrong. Okay, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, we'll get, directed we'll get by that. Ben Stiller. Right. Um, I would argue that it is Ben Stiller's best movie. Um, maybe. maybe. Okay. It's better than Zoolander 2, I'll give you that much. Yes, I'll agree with that. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is, I would describe <laughs> oh. him as a revelation in this film. He's yes. a dude dressed up as a dude playing, playing another, another dude. dude. <laughs> um, he has truly excellent advice on what will and will not win you an Oscar. <laughs> um and a uh, really sort of on-point analysis of I am Sam and Forrest Gump. Um, well, he's this Aust- he's playing this Australian actor that is basically in blackface playing a black actor. <laughs> playing a black role. It's crazy. <laughs> and then crazy. yes. Yeah. To uh, this movie is it's it's when it's basically it's a, it's a dramatization of, of I think one of the apocalypse key, now of a, well apocalypse <laughs> now, but also, like, one of the sort of the key metaphors of 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 making anything in this town which is you know you're going to war right you know you've got your mm-hmm. army and you're going to war and you got to get and they literally go to war they find themselves in the middle of a real no kidding war yeah trying to shoot a war film and <laughs> it sends up. Uh, you know the, the sort of the pretentious conventions of of other war films. Yes. Um, you know, there's a brilliant send up of Platoon and yeah. that. <laughs> um, the, just all the supporting characters are amazing. And mm-hmm. f- honestly, I, I think if Tropic Thunder did nothing else um, for this industry, it it reintroduced Tom Cruise <laughs> to the American public and made the public <laughs> as, love yeah, him as, again. A, as a human being as a and human not being. a construct. Yeah. Exactly. Not like. <laughs> It was because it was right after the whole business with him on Oprah yep. and jumping on yes, the couch, and yes, everybody's yes. like, "Okay, he's, he's lost insane. his mind, yeah. and he's yeah. we're done with him." Yeah. Um, and and he rebounded it was, with that movie absolutely because he was yeah. just so great. And you know, that's another in a long line of like these great studio boss performances, like his performance, and that's great. Then you had Michael Lerner and Barton Fink, brilliant mm-hmm. as a studio boss. Um, there are a couple of like these iconic, you know, obviously. Um, I, I think that uh, Frederick, uh, that, that Walter Pigeon in, in, in Bad the Beautiful is another one of these great yeah. studio boss. I mean, there's some great studio boss, and, and 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 he belongs in that pantheon with what was it, Lex Les Nesman or Les no? Nesman? No, no, that no, was no, no, WKRP no, no, in Cincinnati. Well, there were so many turkeys. I thought that they were supposed to. Anyway, um, no, I, I, he was. What, what the hell was his name? Doesn't anybody have IMDb? Les uh, Grossman. Les, Les Grossman. Grossman. Yeah. Yes. And you know we don't like to look at IMDb because we like to do this off the top of our Damn heads. Damn right we do. So you all won't the time. find some us of us, relying some on. Some of us don't look at lot of <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> you know and we. It's like you know. My voice kind of going in and out as I'm kind of <laughs> looking I, I, down. I'd rather us be wrong than have to rely on this little <laughs> mini computer in our pockets, which um, we do anyway. We don't. We it's don't. All, yes. It's all. No. It's yes. all at the yes. top of our on the tip of our tongue. Okay. So Tropic Thunder for for Wednesday. Uh, does anybody want to dispute that, or are we going to let that one slide? Do I hear? 
Well, there's there a the lot. I mean, I think once we get to discussing the potential Friday film, there are a lot of great films we haven't touched on yet. Yeah, so I know. And I want to revisit to, uh, some of these. Talk about but... them right now. Now that we've gone through the them. Game. No, you're Thursday. Yeah, you got to do Thursday. You have I'm to do going a pick. to do Thursday. All right. What's your pick? Well, now yeah. that we've just gone through the confection, sickly sweet, I'm ready to. I'm ready. We had our little appetizers. I'm ready for the real deal. The madness of making films. Let's get. Let's get serious. Okay. Let's get serious. Okay. Yep. Look. This is a, this is a no-brainer. I know the, what you're going. Oh, good. Well, I have two, no. but I'm going to start with the one that you can't do this movie week films about filmmaking without starting with the granddaddy, the the masterpiece, Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I mean, you have to Billy Wilder's classic movie featuring the incomparable William Holden as a struggling screenwriter who basically becomes becomes a a kept man for Norma Desmond, played by the brilliant Gloria Swanson. He becomes literally her pool boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's filled with that sparkling Billy Wilder, oh. cynical, dark uh, dialogue that, you know, typified um, all, you know, almost all of his movies. And... Um, and uh, and then it's just filled with uh, genius performances, and you know you have Otto Preminger in there playing, uh, not Otto Preminger, no, you have Von Stroheim playing, yes. uh, yeah, uh, who's brilliant as the butler. Quiet, the musicians mustn't hear. <laughs> and and then Cecil B. DeMille playing himself, yeah, uh, the imperious Cecil D. DeMille, B. DeMille. I mean, it's just it's such, um, it, it's a film noir, it's a film about filmmaking. It's a twisted romance. And it's also a document of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, because you got Buster Keaton in there. Yeah. I mean, you have, uh, you know, these classic uh, uh, actors. I mean, you have the whole story, you know, Gloria Swanson was a huge silent film star who couldn't get yeah. arrested and then plays basically herself. herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is, is remor- I mean, it's just, it's brilliantly shot. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those locations are still here uh, in town. Well, um, I have a little story about that. Uh, you got Gloria Swanson to take you home and well, become her pool boy. No. <laughs> um, I don't have a pool. But oh, no. um, the uh, the girl the girl that uh, that he meets who works as a uh, a writer assistant at Paramount at Paramount where the Star Trek offices were. Her office up those stairs up above stage nine is my office when I was working on the pilot of Voyager. <laughs> That's wow. where that's was she my still office. there working on the She uh... was not still there. Is it Voyager or Voyagers? No, it's Voyager. Okay. The TV show. Star Trek. Oh, yeah, yeah no, she was wearing a Voyagers a... with John Eric Hexum. He right. Like, confused. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. said, don't aim that at your head. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Man. Is it too soon? Wow. No. I know. It's that not was too 30 sad. years ago. It was like, um, but yeah, that was my office. And I, I, I would That's got to be. It's hilarious. It's wow. hilarious. I'm, I'm, I'm. That's amazing. That, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You come out to Hollywood. You know, you work on all these great, you know, shows, and and then to be in the, you know, that's Hollywood yep. history right yep. there. Yep. I mean, uh, it's like you know when we filmed the Free Enterprise on, on the stages where they filmed Citizen Kane. It was just like the weirdest yeah. thing for us, you know. To, to... Well, Sunset Boulevard, no dispute, is a stone cold classic. It's one of those just great films that. You hear is great, and you're like, eh, is mm-hmm. it really that great? And then you watch it. Yeah, it yeah. is that great. Is it, it is weird terrific. that I think of it as a horror movie? Yeah, it I, is I, a I horror know. movie. It is. That's why it's, it it's, totally it's, is a mm-hmm. horror movie. You have the haunted house. You have the strange uh, uh, denizens. Right. Uh, it's it's completely well, and the opening shot where the body dead in the pool. Right. You know, with the, what? basically the tilt. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about the opening of the movie. <laughs> there's the first shot, yes. and you're you're looking up through the pool. You know, the dead man, the dead man floating. Well, that's the spoiler right there. Well, 
Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 60 year old movie spoilers. He, he says it's him. Coaching. Yeah, that's true. He says it's him. Okay. Fair it's all right. That's, but that's boiling like the like the <laughs> it's that slag second thirty five. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so um, what's your other? You had another, another well, yeah, one? and I would put this uh, put, put uh, this into out consideration for Friday. for Friday. So Thursday, Sunset Boulevard. I, I agree. Uh, Friday, and I I truly feel like you know talk about a great movie about filmmaking is uh, Kirk Douglas and the Bad and the Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, just an amazing film. He plays Jonathan Shields, a studio executive that everyone hates, who's basically, he got a lot of people their starts and then managed to alienate a screenwriter, an actress, and a director that he worked with, played by, you know, um, William Powell, Gloria Graham, and, um, wait, who was it? And, and then, um, who was it? I think it's time to go to IMDb. <laughs> so, uh, I'll go to IMDb. And, uh, Oh no no! I was, <laughs> he was just reminding myself answering of your something phone. else. But anyway, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it is it is a a brilliant movie about redemption. Uh, it, it really captures again. It, uh, you know, the, all these Hollywood movies have, for the most part, have the same thing. They're all cynical and dark and 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 be- about betrayal. Um, and uh, which is why the outliers are sort of Tropic Thunder. And Ed, and Ed Wood, you know, and uh, that's why it was nice to start the week with Ed Wood because I think we're sort of going down the heart of darkness, the down the river, you know, and it's getting darker and darker because you know by the time you get to something like Bad and the Beautiful, I mean that is really uh, a, a, a remarkably. Um, uh, so it was, it was Lana Turner. Lana Glory Turner, Graham and of course. Powell. Yeah. yeah, okay, I miss Lana Turner. How did I miss Thanks, Lana sir. Turner? Thanks, Google. <laughs> you know, uh, as long as we're down in the pit. With that, oh, uh, wait. Let me, I have a qu- another quick story about. Is this oh, about a different movie? Yeah, this is about a different movie. But go so, ahead. So, uh, my first, literally the first day of film school at USC, they showed us this movie, mm. The Bad and the Beautiful. They had all the incoming freshmen brought us into the Norris Theater and showed The Bad and the Beautiful and as like thirty percent left, and we're yeah, never seeing like, again. This is what you guys are getting into. <laughs> this is like you know, this was in the eighties when they showed us this, but. Uh, it really is a terrific drama about uh, at least the studio system of Hollywood. Agreed. Um, I think that I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, Robert Altman's The Player. Yes. yes. True. For sure. um, it, to me, that is the most realistic portrayal of certainly the studio end of the business. Um, and it's a, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, a dark fairy a very dark fairy tale, but the characters in it are so real and uh, their motivations are incredibly real. And it's just it's just so much fun to watch to see what could be uh, stereotypical performances, but they're spot on. And it's so meta, too, because yeah. you have um, them referring to the touch of evil shot right. when basically when Robert Altman is doing the touch of evil shot. No relation, by the way. That's right. Um, and then... Um, you you know you have uh, Tim Robbins giving uh, one of the best performances yeah. of his career. Mm-hmm. Also, um, Greta, Greta Skaki, who was right. another staple of '80s and '90s movies, who I loved, who sort of disappeared. Goodman um, Stoltier, <laughs> who, who who who's terrific in that movie. It's also the movie now. And Whoopi Goldberg. It's the movie that introduced Whoopi. me, Steve. What's that? To it's the movie that introduced me to Two Bunch Palms. Oh yes, because uh, yes. in Two Bunch Palms, the um, uh, Tim Robbins oh. takes Greta Skaki. 
to right. two bunch palms to seduce her. It's this amazing spa resort in in Palm Springs, and you know they they're in the mud baths and everything. And I completely fell in love with two bunch. I ended up going up there because of the player, right. and I love two bunch so much. I used to do my birthdays every year. Up at two bunch where a bunch of friends. Steve yeah, was I, there. I went to one of them. And there, it was. And it really was. I never got a, to go. So kind of a thrill to go into those go mud baths. There with whoever we were dating at the time, and and um, and 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 uh, we had these great birthday parties at two bunch palms, and it was all because of of the player. So I have such a soft spot in my heart for um, uh, the player. And yet you didn't select it. Why? I want to know why. <laughs> because there's so many. <laughs> Don't wait for the translation so, answer there's me There's so many. I mean, I would also say that Robert, the Robert Evans documentary, The Kids Days mm-hmm. in the Picture, is a great documentary about Bob Evans. And while I prefer to listen to the audio yeah. book because it's just, just so much more depth to it and it's longer, the documentary is great. Well, I would like to shine the light back in a little bit on, on making films and kind of feeling like positive. Get Shorty. Oh, yeah. That's a great right? choice too. It's you know I think it is Barry Sonnenfeld at his most restrained, which is a weird thing to say, um, and oddly enough John Travolta at his most restrained, and yet and Gene Hackman and um, at least Delroy restrained. Lindo. Oh yeah, Delroy uh, Lindo's great. In that. It's, it's it is it's just so much fun. It's so cool. It is like the the perfect marriage between material and filmmaker. Um, you know, based on the Elmore Leonard novel. Um, it kind of has this. I, I think it works as a as a film as a story about filmmaking because uh, John Travolta's character comes from the outside, um, and he is inherently interesting. His life and the world that he comes from is already interesting, and the collision between the world of organized crime and Hollywood and finding out that they are pretty much the same thing is fantastic. The dialogue <laughs> yeah. is great. You know, they say the fucking smog. Is the and reason the fucking sunsets are so beautiful in L.A., you know, or um, Delroy Lindo talking about like you know writing a screenplay. Well, you know, you just like put in some commas and shit. It's it's Barry Sonnenfeld's most restrained movie. It's my favorite movie of his. I, I think Rene Russo, who owned the '90s with Thomas Crown Affair and the Get Shorty, and and you know a bunch of other stuff she did is is fantastic. Danny DeVito is pitch perfect. It's just. Hmm. Tr- and that score, that oh, you know, so it's good. just, it's great. And and Gene Hackman, who is great in everything, mm. um, is 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 great. Is just sensational in that as a B movie producer, you know. And you know, which brings me to another movie. You know, we have an embarrassment of riches this yeah, week, yeah. Uh, which which Get Shorty makes me think of Argo. Right. Oh, I sure. Yeah. Love Argo, and it has John Goodman as John as John Chambers from yeah. Planet of the Apes, the great makeup artist. Uh, I think Ben Affleck did a, a marvelous job directing yeah. that picture. Um, it, it's set uh, during the Iran hostage crisis, so the kid in his room has a two XL and <laughs> Battlestar Galactica action figures. So here we are, we're talking about the Iran hostage crisis. Yeah. But I'm checking out the kid's room, and yeah, right. that's awesome. And he's watching. It must have been the four thirty movie because he's watching Battle for the Planet of the Apes on TV. Yep. yep. You know, so um, I, I, I just, I just, and I think that 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 first ten twenty minutes of that movie is so intense. Um, sadly, I actually read the book that it's based on, and I think they missed out on some really great stuff that was part of the true story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like there were some missed opportunities, but that was only after the fact. When you find out that the true story is even more crazy <laughs> than the story that they, they put on film. Right. Um, but I, I really love that movie. So, I, I, 
I've got two stories about that. Yeah. Um, two connections. The the first is um, when the book first came out and people were going after the rights. I knew a producer who was going after it, and um, you know we really uh, wanted to do that book and adapt it. So I actually flew out back to D.C. where I'm from, um, and I went to the Spy Museum and I spent the day with with, uh, with Tony Mendez. And he kind of told me everything and he showed me the whole museum. Right. It was just, it was amazing having that conversation with him. And, you know, and my feeling, you know, reading that book, and I, and I think it carries through like in, in the movie and, and, and what I told him is, look, that whole story is really about a guy who puts his wedding ring away. And his objective is to get back to it. Like, that's yeah. the story. That's the yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was just, it was such a pleasure um Meeting him, he doesn't look anything like Affleck. Uh, <laughs> but aren't they estranged in the movie? But in real life, they were actually together. Yeah, that which is crazy. It's very strange. Weird. Usually, it, it's the other way around. And the, the other thing is that, and it's uh, people kind of know this. Maybe they don't. Um, Argo, the film, mm-hmm. quote unquote, film that they were going to make, um, basically like took all of the the production designs, all the art. Um, from an adaptation of Lord of Light. Uh, and it was all Jack Kirby artwork. Yep. Although the Jack Kirby artwork wasn't actually produced for the Lord of Light film. It was produced because um, the, uh, the the screenwriter and the one of the producers on the film who had the, re- the rights for 40 years, and I know because I just tried to set up Lord of Light as a TV show and failed because it's Bananas. There's a fornicatorium in that book. Um, but, uh, you know, he. Is that anything like the Love Shop and Logan's Run? Right. No, he wanted to set up a science fiction land. And so Jack Kirby did all of these designs for a science fiction land and using um, Lord of Light as the basis for it. So there was a script. You know, that existed for this film that never got made. There was this big plan for science fiction land that never got built. Um, And all of this beautiful artwork uh, that got used in the most amazing way to save lives. Uh, And it's just, it's fantastic. And if you want to see the artwork, um, Heavy Metal Magazine, uh, I want to say two years ago. Um, No, it was only a year ago. It was about a year ago. uh, Heavy Metal Magazine uh, published all of that art. Um, they published it, you know, they colored it, all this other shit. They put out like um, an action figure, you know, uh, for Sam. It was just, <laughs> wow, it's nice. cool. That's so great. you can have a little piece. You can see a little piece of movie history and real history like right there. It's it's fascinating. But the film that they're making in the movie, like when they're doing the read through, sort of a combination of Roger Corman, like Battle Beyond the Stars or, or Crown International, Galaxina, you know, and it has that yep. kind of vibe to it, you know, that 80s sci-fi Star Wars and the Shadow of Star Wars ripoff vibe, which is just so del- delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's so much tension in that movie and it really shows uh, um, Affleck is a, is a filmmaker to be reckoned with. And, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of, of multi-hyphenates, people who write, direct, act, because I'm so jealous of them. No, but, uh, I, you know, he's the real deal, I feel. Stupid Orson Welles. And, yeah. <laughs> There's only a few Orson Welles, Woody Allen, people like that who, you know, can master all those disciplines. You know, they're few and far between. And uh, But I think that Affleck with Argo really proved that he belongs, if not in that class, that he has the potential 
to to be in that in that class. Um, well, I had a couple other films I wanted to throw out, um, but very quickly to tie in to off of Argo, John Goodman was in a film that's a lot of fun called Matinee, mm. where he plays a William Castle esque mm-hmm. uh, film producer who's showing his crazy. It's sort of Ed Wood like horror, bad mm-hmm. horror movie down in Florida during the Cuban Missile wow. Crisis. And the film within a film, Mant, Mant, right, is is great, <laughs> cheesy monster movie. So I, I you know, I'm going to throw out a couple of documentaries because I love documentaries and there are some really great documentaries about filmmaking. Uh, first one, Burden of Dreams, mm-hmm. which is Werner Herzog's, uh, or Les Blank's right. documentary about Werner Herzog's um, Fitzcarraldo, which is this, inc- this, the story of making the movie is an epic in and of itself. Uh, the film Fitzcarraldo is ostensibly the story of moving a riverboat over a mountain in the deep jungles of South America. And they filmed this movie on location and they were dealing with, you know, hostile indigenous tribes and poisonous snakes. I mean, there's a, the stories and, and, and a, a leading man, uh, 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 Klaus Kinski, who was literally at, at, at ready to murder uh, uh, Werner Herzog and uh, yeah. he famously uh, said he was going to quit the film and Herzog told him you know if you get in that boat and leave you know I have six five bullets in my gun and the sixth one is for me <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's a really terrific documentary about the, the epic struggle to make this film I, I love I was, that Werner Herzog said he wants to play a Bond villain I'd love to see that oh that my god amazing. that's amazing my, so, my kid by the way um, my nine year old has since he was about four years old, been able to do a spot on Werner Herzog. Because Herzog narrated and somehow produced, had something to do with this animated um, dinosaur movie called Dinosaurs Alive, which is sort of like a, uh, it's not a documentary, but it's sort of presented as though it's a documentary and he narrates it. And my son at this point was watching these documentaries, like Planet Dinosaur, all this other shit, like, and he would just repeat the dialogue back Mm. But he didn't know what an accent was, so he's doing John Hurt. He's doing Kenneth Branagh. Like, and then, you know, all of a sudden he pops off with like a Werner Herzog. Like, Daddy, we have to cross, cross oceans of time. To... And I'm like, what are you saying to me, man? What's happening? So, yeah, Werner Herzog is a Bond villain. Gets my I'm vote. on board. Um, or my nine-year-old. The, the other couple documentaries I want to mention, one is called Overnight, which is a documentary about the filmmaker of uh, Boondock Saints yeah, and how uh, crazy. He, he had went on this crazy ego trip and was documenting, had his buddies make a film about himself because he's convinced he was going to be the next superstar yeah, director. I used to go drinking occasionally at that bar where um, that yeah, he, he famously that, in, he made in, Weinstein's as, buy for him. Yeah. yeah, as part of his deal for the, his big script, they had to buy him a bar. Yeah. And anyway, it's a, it's a it's a really funny horrific film about uh, an ego trip and then another movie that i revisit at least once a year uh is uh, american movie the documentary mm. about uh this guy it's very similar to ed wood in a way this kind Colvin. of yeah this this guy uh um, mark borchert up in wisconsin who is um a really passionate film lover and is desperately trying to get his films made any way he can. And he does it with, you know, his good friend Mike Shank. Uh, and he drafts his mother into it and his uh, his friends. And 
he's it, it's just such an kind of an inspiring story to me. This guy, he's not particularly talented, although I think he does have an eye. He does have a good cinematic eye. You're being charitable. No, I think you look at some of the images. They're actually pretty striking. Um, and uh, I just find it really I always feel really good watching this movie because this is a guy who's so he's so passionate and it's infectious in a way. And you just I just really identify with his struggle desperately trying to get this movie made and kind of succeeding making his short film. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I really, you know, well, I have to say, you know, here you talked about a few documentaries. There's such an embarrassment of riches. I mean, we touched on some, but there there are still a few masterpieces we haven't even discussed. Mm-hmm. For Friday, we have to keep in mind. I mean, look, I mentioned Barton Fink. I don't think that should be Friday, mm-hmm. but it's a great film about filmmaking, Coen Brothers. You know, they also Hail Caesar is, uh, I personally like. It doesn't belong, I think, among the best, but there's so many great things about it, including introducing the world to Alden Emmerich. But um, there's some fantastic scenes in that movie, even if it, it, it doesn't uh, hold on. You know, and it's about Eddie Mannix's fictionalized version of Eddie Mannix, uh, the old MGM fixer, um, which is, uh, I think, a, a great story still to be told. But I mean, we didn't even mention Fellini's Eight and a Half. Right. We didn't mention Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. As opposed to Paul W.S. Anderson's right. Boogie Nights. Clint, Clint is, Eastwood's White Hunter Black Heart. Right, type. about John Huston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singing in the Rain. Well, I was just going to say how we neglected to mention, and I guess it's because we think about this if we were doing a musical week, it would be a shoe in yeah. Right. It probably is one of the great movies ever made about old Hollywood, but we don't think about it as a Hollywood movie, even though it probably, next to Sunset Boulevard, is the best of all these movies. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. Oh, my God, Bowfinger. Yeah. Yeah. A wonderful comedy from Frank Oz. Love, love, love it. Steve Martin. Delightful. It's like the color version of Ed Wood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then one that Darren and I really wanted to talk about. How Um, can we we have a conversation about this about this topic without this 1968, movie. the Oscar. Oh. <laughs> well, that, we made a winner for Friday. <laughs> Tell us about the Oscar. Oh, my uh, goodness. Or, or is Harlan Ellison around to uh, talk about uh, it? Uh, uh, Harlan Ellison wrote the screenplay seriously. It's based on a novel, a best-selling novel, right. by the way. And it is the funniest film ever made. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Funny. Unintentionally. Um, Stephen Boyd plays this uh, sort of scrappy, streetwise uh, uh, <laughs> hustler, b- hustler barker for a stripper um, named Frankie Fane. Frank Fane. It's all about Eve, basically done, kind, in but film. with a guy. Yeah, yeah with a guy. Yeah. <laughs> all about Adam. Yes. Oh, there you go. And his his best pal Frankie. is yeah. played by Tony Bennett. Plays Jaime yeah. Kelly, the Irish Jew, and introducing Tony Bennett as Jaime Kelly, his yeah. first and only star. <laughs> and Milton Berle as his agent. Oh my goodness! I it's mean, just Elky Summer. I mean, yeah, um, so Joseph bad. Cotton. Joseph Cotton plays head. the studio head. Oh, now the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences has sort of seen to this film being buried, so it's very hard to see. We saw it, I think, all together at the American Cinematheque many years mm-hmm. ago, where its screenwriter Harlan Ellison spoke, right. and throughout the movie, there are just these huge guffaws of laughter. Well, a lot of them coming from yours truly, yeah, <laughs> and, um, because it was the first time I had seen the film. The first time I saw it. And I was laughing hysterically, and I have a very loud, high laugh. (laughs) And Harlan sort of called me out on it, and he 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 thought that I was a uh, a loudmouthed woman sitting in the back, (laughs) laughing at his at his precious movie. 
Oh, but, he was, uh, I thought it was uh, Which is funny, hilarious. coming from a, la- a loudmouthed loud mouth, uh, yeah. uh, uh, himself, you think may, he would be able to appreciate it. Peace, right. yeah. but, but this still. is a piece of crap. Well, you know, he was... <laughs> He was very sensitive about that, and I, I know several people who are very close to Harlan, and I know he was he was really upset at that screening. Uh, he apparently walked out of that screening about 10 or 15 minutes into it Thanks, because of Gary. the audience yeah. reaction, and uh, I was told he, he walked the streets of Hollywood Boulevard for the next Cursing hour and a half. like a homeless man. Yeah, and then came back, and to his credit, he came back and for the Q&A. And did the Q&A, and it was yeah. a great and Q&A. Great. Yep. And, you know, I, I have... Uh, I don't have a lot of wall space in my house for movie posters. Uh, I have a movie poster up for Ed Wood, and I also have a movie poster for the Oscar. A mm. giant, a huge movie French one sheet, three sheet, and a beautiful stone litho artwork. Oh, and I keep great. it as sort of a cautionary tale for right. Hollywood because the story of Frank Fane, he's this guy who's so obsessed with fame and fortune. And he will burn anyone to, to get claw there, yeah. his way to the top of that glass mountain called success. It's filled with all <laughs> this great, overheated, overbaked, over the top dialogue, um, uh, bad behavior. I mean, he screws over anyone he can. He, yeah. uh, 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 gosh, what's his name? Uh, Ernest Borgnine is right. in it uh, as a kind of a. A detective that Kids he hires as part Borgnine. of a smear campaign, who later turns a uh, blackmailer. It turns blackmailer uh, to yeah. him, and it's, oh, I love this movie. There's just so many machinations in it, and also if you can find it, uh, SCTV in mm. the early '80s did a parody of it <laughs> back when no one knew what the Oscar was. <laughs> this was something that they made just for themselves. They called it the Nobel. It's 15 minutes long. It's exactly the same story. Uh, Um, Dave Thomas plays Frankie Fane as a a scientist (laughs) who, uh, you know, fakes science to get the Nobel. Nobel. It's hilarious. I had seen that parody long before I ever saw the movie that it was based on. it, it does run occasionally on Turner Classic Movies. I, I know it's played on TCM at least once or yeah. twice. I'm so indebted to our friend, a mutual friend, Alan Spencer, who created Sledgehammer for introducing us to that film. Uh, he, he was the he, one he who made me a told DVD us about from it. an old VHS super tape VHS. that he had of it. Not yeah, even VHS, super VHS. Super VHS. Um, you know, before we render our final judgment, I want to just mention really quickly a couple of other wonderful films. There's uh, Christopher Guest State, no, David Mamet State in Maine, which I like. Oh, yes. Um, you could say, you know, certainly Mulholland Drive, David Lynch's brilliant uh, movie. Uh, Steve Railsback in The Stuntman Stunt is, oh, is yeah. a terrific, uh, terrific in fact, film. I, I just watched that like maybe two weeks ago. Steve Railsback it runs the gamut from A to B. <laughs> he is so wooden and repulsive in that movie. Um, you know, Peter O'Toole is amazing. Well, he's but always amazing. I think the stuntman is highly overrated. It has in my, the, in my the, actually opinion. the highest um, high fall uh, oh, that was yeah. ever shot, except that it didn't make it into the film. Right. How insane is that? Yeah. And I think uh, that uh, that one of the stuntmen died like doing that stunt. Mm. Um, see, ironic. I, very ironic, <laughs> right? Uh, but like, not like I don't know. It's 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 not a doing super a cool film. Like, <laughs> if you are into um, the world of just 
what, yeah, stuntmen. Yeah, and, and, and if, you know if what you're I mean? into like, San Diego, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like Hotel a fun, to, you know, sort of like Coronado Island. I mean, and and you know, a couple other things. Uh, William Atherton and Day of the Locust. You know, he was a right. He, everybody character actor who was in everything, usually playing sort of these loathsome, sort of sli- slimy guys, like in um, Die Hard and and uh, Ghostbusters. But uh, and you know, he's a leading man in, in Day of the Locust, based on the, the the novel, and it's good, not great. I mean, my my two other great movies about uh, filmmaking would be De Palma's Blowout oh, yeah. about a sound man um, who is uh, trying to recreate a murder and of course has a very surprising twist and is virtuoso filmmaking uh, by Brian De Palma and uh, Nancy Allen is, is great and it's set against the backdrop of the Bicentennial and then Woody Allen's Stardust Memories which is about Woody Allen's character going to a film festival uh, in which uh, one of the characters famously or infamously says uh, you know, I really like your work, especially the early funny ones. <laughs> so, um, you know, which I just think, and, and Sharon Stone had one of her earliest roles in that. And, and Charlotte uh, uh, Rampling is just phenomenal. Luminous. Uh, luminous is a better description, as is Jessica Walter. Uh, not Jessica Walter. Um, uh, who was it? It was Jessica. No, Jessica. Who was it again? Jessica, Jessica Harper. Jessica Harper. Jessica Tandy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's just, I just think, and it's beautifully shot by uh, Gordon Willis. It, it, it is, is it the last of their collaborations, Gordy Willis? I think it was 1980, if was I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, so I think, no, maybe it wasn't, yeah. but uh, it, it may be next to Manhattan, probably their most beautiful uh, visual collaboration. Um I have so, a couple more. Quick oh my ones. God! There, yeah, but oh, there's wait, there's more. Gods and Monsters. Oh yeah, the yeah, making yeah. of Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, there's James a, Well, a, a film that Mark and I saw at the Telluride Film Festival, Shadow of the Vampire. Oh yeah, with oh, Willem yes. Dafoe playing a vampire starring in Nosferatu as they're making those in the silent film era. That was such a great yeah. evening, Steve, because we had first we'd seen the original Nosferatu with piano accompaniment. And we saw Shadow of the Vampire and we were coming down on this tram. Yeah, no, it was the other way around. We saw Shadow of the Vampire and oh, we and were then up at we this saw theater. Nosferatu. It was literally a dark and stormy night. Literally. Right. Lightning, thunder, rain. rain. And we're on this tram. This gondola. And it stops in the middle of the storm. Oh my God, and my God. we're it's creaking back and creaking forth. Creaking back and forth. Finally, <laughs> it starts running again and it gets to the bottom of the hill and it swings around and like super stop, high speed. And we like <laughs> leap from the gondola. It was it was crazy. And then, and then one last one, a uh, uh, film from last year, The Disaster Artist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which hey, was a lot of fun uh, about the it. making of, uh, you know, another Ed Wood-style movie about a guy who has great dreams of making a film and makes this notoriously terrible film, I guess the modern version of Planet Night from Outer Space. It'd be a uh, good on a double Tommy bill Wiseau. with Ed Wood. Ed Wood's yeah. the better film, but yeah. Disaster Artist would be good on a double bill. It's an bill. entertaining film. Um, you got to decide, don't we? So, we got to decide. Uh, to me... And you tell me if you agree. I think it's a toss-up between Sunset, not Sunset Boulevard. No. It's a toss-up between the player, and um, and the Oscar. And the Oscar, yes. That's that's. I think it's a toss-up between the player and the Oscar. What do you think? You know, I was I, gonna say, I was gonna pull for get shorty a little bit, but I have to say that I think that the Oscar is an amazing choice because it is it is so bad. It is just endlessly entertaining, yeah. and I would run home. Early from school, you you just might to watch be able. That. It might be on YouTube. I don't know. It's funny. It's out of print, so it might be out there available. So it's something. And to keep what a what a appropriate tribute to Harlan Ellison, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, who passed away recently. The great, brilliant, 
opinionated yeah. Harlan Ellison. Be careful honor, what you're remembered for. To 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 honor um, uh, uh, this movie, this 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 wonderfully wacky, extraordinary. Uh, product of its age. I don't think he should feel bad about it. I no. know he does, and it's a sore point did. for him. He did. I know he felt bad about it, but it, it oh, really has. It's does. so. It's so entertaining. It's like Roger Ebert writing Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. You know, it's just yeah. like one of these things where you can't really blame them. You just sort of have sort of. You got to respect them in a way. Yeah. Or Gene Roddenberry doing Pretty Maids all in a row. Right. They're all awful, yeah. but they're delightfully awful. And 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 so much the better for us having those films in our lives. Yeah. So I, I think, wonder if we maybe want to switch up the order and maybe uh, start the week with Sunset Boulevard since it's, you know, a heavy hitter, you know. So let's try this. Sunset Boulevard Monday. Then maybe Ed Wood on Tuesday. Ed Wood Tuesday. Then the big picture. Big picture in the Tropic Thunder on Thursday, and then bringing the thunder on Friday. (laughs) The The Oscar. Oscar. God, this was. We have a week. This was. This is a hell of a week. This is a. a This is a tough one, and I'm. I'm. I wasn't sure we were going to get through it. To be honest, (laughs) it's the longest uh, one yet. I want to. I, this was incredible. The Kids Day in the Picture Week. Uh, really great movies. You can't go wrong with any of the movies we talked about this week. Um, I want to remind you that Ashley Miller's show, uh, uh, the, uh, working on uh, Sean Crouch's Brilliant Lore Season 2, uh, is de- debuting on Amazon Prime this month, so check that out. Uh, Steve, you have Star Wars Resistance Star Wars debuting Resistance. on Disney Channel. And um, I got nothing. You do. You got the 430 <laughs> movie website. At oh, yes. 430movie.com. Right. 430movie.com. Featuring amazing 430 movie podcast swag, as well as a link to all our previous episodes. And coffee cups. And coffee cups. Let's, let's not forget <laughs> the coffee cups. And of course, um, uh, I am uh, going to be uh, at the New York Comic Con speaking about Battlestar Galactica and moderating with Chris Parnell of Sony Pictures Television, a Ron Moore masterclass. Tickets are still on sale. And uh, my book, So Say We All, An Oral History of Battlestar Galactica, is available wherever fine books are sold. And um, uh, if you want to con- continue the conversations or if we missed a movie, which I find hard to believe, hard to believe. where can they follow you on Twitter, Mr. Miller? Uh, you can follow me at Ashmaster Zero on Twitter. And also, I will be at the Austin Film Festival from October 24th to the 27th. Uh, you can find me in the Driscoll Bar. If you buy me a drink, I might give you an opinion. He'll be the one in the 430 movie T-shirt. Damn right I will. And uh, if, if, if you like what we have to say, please go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcast and rate us with the highest rating possibly available. Uh, Steve Melching. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Stephen Melching. And don't forget, day for night... And uh, living in oblivion. <laughs> oh my God, he's still going. He's still <laughs> going. Stop the movies. Brad Pitt and Peter Dinklage, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> yeah. living in oblivion. Get me Dinklage. Um, <laughs> and that we haven't seen it yet because it's debuting this month on HBO. Uh, the the Hervé Villachez story about uh, the yes. making the man with the golden gun in Fantasy Island. Yep. Uh, which I can't wait to see. You can reach me at Twitter at Darren Doc One R. And I'm Mark A. Altman at Mark A. Altman on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for joining us this week for the Kids Stay in the Picture Week. Films about filmmaking on the 430 Movie. We'll be back with an all-new theme week next week, only on the 430 Movie. This has been the 430 Movie Special Encore Edition. 
And this is your host, Mark A. Altman. I want to remind you that we'll be back with all new episodes of the 430 Movie this spring for Season 2. We thank you for joining us for the special Encore presentation. And we hope you'll join us for some of our other shows on the Electric Surge Network, including the ultimate podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, the hit podcast, and glorious Trexperts about all things Trek. If you haven't checked out this show, please do, because it's awesome. And I don't say that about everything, but this is a great show and you'll love it. We also have, for you film fans, the best movies never made. This is Jodorowsky's Dune producer, Steven Scarlatta, and Josh Miller, writer of Sonic the Hedgehog, where every other Monday they look inside the making or unmaking of a film that never saw the light of a projector bulb with special guests, directors, writers, producers. There have been some great episodes on E.T. 2, Night Skies, Johnny Quest, Godzilla, um, Master, He-Man and the Master of the Universe with Adam Rifkin. And, of course, uh, Rob Burnett and myself join them as we talk about Free Enterprise, The Wrath of Shatner, the aborted Free Enterprise sequel. So some great episodes coming up. We hope you'll join us for that wonderful show. And, of course, if you're a Star Trek Discovery fan, join Chase Masterson and her special guests every Sunday night as they do a deep dive into the world of Star Trek Discovery. And meanwhile, Ashley, Darren, Steve, and myself will be back with all new episodes of the 430 Movie this spring for Season 2. Thanks for being a 430 Movie fan, and we'll see you at the movies. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.